Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast. It's brought to you by Coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm your host. My name is Greg Mahochko. Joining me this week is Todd. He's a legend. And we'll let you guess where. Wolverton. Hi, Todd. Hi. Hi, Greg. A legend in my own mind. Okay. Okay. Well, I yeah. that's... That's not what you told me before we started recording. So I, uh, yeah. All right. Nice <laughs> to know that you changed the story. Uh, noticeably absent this week, our founder and fearless leader, John Dam Johnston. And I want to tell you now, do not adjust your colors. If you're watching this uh, on YouTube, on your screen, it is April. I know we look festive, very Christmassy red and green, what can I say, Todd? I, I'm just holly jolly, by golly. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm not quite ready for Christmas. We had 90 degrees yesterday and snow this morning. So what the hell is that? I mean, they say, well, that's weather in Nebraska, weather in Iowa. Well, it's it's not just that. there. It's it's in my portion of my in southern Illinois. It's it wasn't quite as drastic. We had uh, 70s yesterday, and today we had just you know thunderstorms all day long. Um, I had to postpone a couple of work appointments because I was like, you know what? And it, it, of course, naturally wasn't nearly as severe. And, and thankfully it wasn't as severe as they were predicting because they had us in like a stage four, you know, storm crisis warning, you know, with uh, tornado warnings possible and golf ball sized hail. And I'm really glad none of that came to pass. Yeah. Um, but what it did is it did prevent me from, you know, doing my job. So, uh, instead I stayed home and I made dinner. Uh, I made, uh, my wife had picked up at the store a couple days back, some sirloin steaks. So I had some time at the house uh, earlier today. So I put those in a little homemade marinade and cooked them up. And, uh, they were so good that even the dog was trying to steal it off the table. Well, there you go. There you go. (laughs) So, but we love the dog. Uh, she, you know, she, we, we've decided, I don't know. It, did you all ever have pets in, in your house, Todd? No, we did not. Um, we were, uh, animals belonged outside okay. and, um, that was the philosophy that my parents had. And I guess that's, uh, kind of been reinforced with both my brother and I, but we, so. I, I've always loved dogs more, more than cats. Uh, and look, cat lovers out there don't come to their defense. I don't care. Um, but I've always had an affinity for dogs. Dogs and I get along real well. But my mom developed an allergy to dogs and cats right after I was born because uh, they used to have a dog and then they had to get rid of it. Uh, I was like, well, it's the dog or the baby. And, you know, I got to sleep inside. So good for you. I'm glad they picked <laughs> you over the dog. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I was a lot cuter back then. <laughs> um, but. Uh, so I always wanted a dog growing up and never had the opportunity. So, um, when my wife and I got married, we adopted a a dog and and then a couple years later, we adopted a second one and we have decided, especially after the first one, we had to put her down a couple of years ago, uh, like, yeah, when Coco goes, that's kind of going to be it for us and and pets, (laughs) you know, um, we'll also have to pay professionals to come in and defer the house. Although we, we vacuum regularly, but uh, uh, you know, all, all the nooks and crannies as it were. So um, 
Coco's been with us now since February 2011 and uh, and still uh, pretty quick going outside chasing rabbits. So um, just be blessed with the dog as long as we can. So I know John's a dog lover and, and I'm sure somewhere in your heart, you like animals just. Oh, like I, I like them. I sure, <laughs> I sure do. I just, uh, I like dogs. I, and, uh, I've always enjoyed playing with them, but, uh, right now in this uh, lovely two bedroom, two bathroom apartment that we're in, we barely have enough room for the two of us. It's, it's like, uh, uh, I, I feel like your philosophy on dogs or, or cats or, you know, pets, is also going to be your philosophy with future grandchildren. They're great. We love them, but it's best when they leave. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we're going to be up for that here in just a couple of months. We'll see how that all goes. Uh, Did we know that? Oh, I think maybe I made that announcement a while back. But yeah, my daughter Reagan is uh, and her husband Mitch. They're expecting uh, right around the first of July. So, uh, yep, that'll be a that'll be a pleasant change for us. So. Hey, Todd, you know who else's uh, birthday is right around the beginning of July? Oh, hmm. you, yeah. What day, Greg? Well, if I'm just thinking if they're born on the 5th, you could use a derivative of my name. Call them oh, Greg. There we go. I'll, I'll, I'll put in a pitch for that. Now, right. I was married on the 4th. Oh. So, you know, that way, never forget that anniversary. <laughs> Well, then it's a toss-up. It's what is more important, my anniversary or the anniversary of the birth of our nation? There you go. That's there a tough go. one. Yeah. Well, we celebrate them either way. So. There you go. Hey, <laughs> you, when, you, when you have cold beers and, and uh, uh, burgers or steaks or pork steaks, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous outing regardless. Todd, before we get going, I'd like to uh, uh, open this show the way all – Five Heart Podcast should be recorded and most likely enjoyed, and that's slightly inebriated. And I'm go. drinking a, uh, a local brewer, um, so local that he doesn't really have a distributor, but he does make a fine beer. Um, I don't know how he gets away with the name, and I'm hoping that bringing, raising the awareness of his brew doesn't get him in trouble. Um, it is Jedi Brew Co. in Breeze, Illinois, and this is a pint, a delicious pint of his Atomic Wit, Belgian-style wit beer, uh, 4.9% alcohol by volume. Todd, I got this for free, and I told him, I said, it, it's I, I'm stealing from you. I should be paying you for this beer. So <laughs> well, next one I probably will have to pay for. When I get to Illinois, we'll have to give that a try. Um, sounds good. I, I um, had a little gin and tonic earlier this evening right now, uh, drinking a little water. I kind of like to have a little balance. I'm... I'm up there in, in years a bit, you know, and uh, uh, I don't like hangovers. I don't like any semblance of hangovers. Mm -hmm. So uh, big gin and tonic, it's time for me to level off a little bit for the evening. <laughs> it's important it, it, to stay hydrated. You know, you got to go. go. replenish uh, uh, the, as the um, I, I recently watched. Did you ever watch Blue Mountain State? Yes. OK, so, you know, about the oil change. Uh, I'm a little familiar with it. my memory. I, you know, I'm not a detail. I don't remember some of that kind of mm. stuff. But yeah. I'm a little familiar with that. I highly recommend uh, to anybody uh, who 
if, especially if you like this show, the, a little bit of that sophomore humor, a little college football, very little college football thrown in, uh, I, you'll enjoy Blue Mountain State. Um, I came upon it very late. I only watched, started watching it a few months ago, uh, became a big fan right away. So uh, you can watch all three seasons on Amazon Prime Video uh, through the I, the free IMDb TV app. So there are commercials, but they're brief commercials and, uh, you know, so we hope you enjoy Blue Mountain State. And uh, that's all our commercials. <laughs> I think that's all the plugs we got to do this week, Todd. Uh, Get them out right up front. <laughs> you're right. Uh, there, there were some uh, uh, some festivities in, in the old Lincoln this past weekend, were there not? Yeah, there were. Um, well, you know, uh, our good old buddy John uh, drove down my place to my place on uh God, what the hell was it? Thursday, I guess. Thursday night. And uh, we definitely discovered that the two-bedroom apartment is built for two people. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm just John, John's a great house guest, and, and it, was, uh, it was good to have him here. And he spent uh, a good chunk of his time on Friday making some contacts and talking to some people down there. Uh, you know, relative to Nebraska athletics and that type of thing. I'm not going to go into that. That's his story for another time. But uh, then we got uh, we got together on Saturday and met uh, by the statue. You know, you always have those meeting points. And uh, at Memorial Stadium, you got you know, if you say we're going to meet by the statue, you got to define which one. Right. So uh, we met by the uh, I, I call it the uh, lineman statue on the east side of the stadium. And that's where we met. Uh, and we went to the spring game together. And uh, John had spent quite a bit of time there. He got early, got there earlier than me and was chatting up folks and trying to get uh, a pulse on uh, the, the state of, well, corn nation. <laughs> and, uh, um, but anyway, uh, we went to the game and, and uh, had some nice seats and we enjoyed ourselves being out there in the nice sunshine. I left the, the end of the third quarter, John stuck it out uh, because I decided that I wanted to see the first pitch at the baseball game. And uh, so I walked across and watched the, the baseball game. And then John came in and got there all oh, probably in about the second or third inning. But uh, yeah, so we, we took time out for the spring game. We took time out for the baseball game. And then uh, we uh, actually went out for dinner with, uh, uh, our, one of our baseball writers, Aaron, uh, otherwise known as Brutus, um, Aaron and his wife and his little guy. And we had a good time in, in Lincoln. So, uh, nice weekend and great weather for, for the time that we were there. Well, that's tremendous. Um, all right. I gave you a heads up about this before we started rolling sound. This is, this has been a week of, of deep confessions that in the grand scheme of things mean nothing for me, <laughs> but I wanted to say, uh, I knew, uh, so my, my family got together, uh, for a little Easter get together on Saturday. And then, uh, my wife's sister, they had, were having a surprise bridal shower for her, uh, almost immediately after. So I had the DVR set to record the spring game. And th the thing is, uh, outside of Nebraska athletics, I never really watched a lot of TV. It was always, you know, watching a streaming service through my PlayStation. Uh, 
uh, right before Christmas, my PlayStation kind of went to hell. So I got a Roku and I've been watching, you know, some watch some basketball, uh, you know, some Husker uh, wrestling, things like that uh, through my Roku, through my cable provider. It's very convoluted and probably more expensive than it needs to be. What that means is that for more than three months, I haven't really been able to locate my TV, my cable box remote. And so I haven't been able to yet, as we record this Wednesday night, I haven't found it and haven't been able to access my DVR recording. So all I know about the annual red white game is that Nebraska won. (laughs) However, I also know Nebraska lost. Uh, So I'm hoping you're able to provide some insight as to some of your observations, what you saw and, uh, hopefully, you know, I, I know it's, it's Holy week, Todd. So we're not going to pile on Scott Frost this week. No, I don't, we don't need to pile on him. (laughs) That's, that's, I can, I can accomplish that goal. Um, Okay. (laughs) It was um, actually, you know, I, I was fairly convinced it was the first spring game I've ever attended. Um, I had not remembered. And John had told me on Thursday night, he says, no, we went once when we were in college. Yeah, we did. Well, then he was more, he must've, you know, some of that, that brain injury, that fog, I think sometimes that kind of clears and he has these epiphanies. Because on Saturday he says, "Yep, it was 1983, and we had all gone out, and we were, we all got drunk early that day, and, and we stumbled in, and was like, oh, what's going on here? Oh, a football game, you know." So um, he was he was uh, strongly uh, of the opinion that we were there in 1983. But, Catch uh, more of John and his uh, trauma <laughs> with his new book coming out soon. Manage your damage. Yep. Uh, yep. Free plug for John. There you go. Um, but anyway, you know, here, here's what it came down to. You know, we, we have to remember that um, <laughs> all the spring game really is, is a glorified scrimmage in front of fans. And, um, you know, I, the more I got to think about it, you know, I, I think it's, it's almost become kind of one of those annual rights. And what I've observed is that it's a time for families, uh, you know, that are, you know, diehard Huskers. Uh, to gather in Lincoln and go to a game on a nice spring day. Hopefully the weather's nice, and it was this year. But oftentimes, uh, well, what I, what I saw was tons of little kids. And in the regular season, you know, the majority of us are not going to spend $90, $95 uh, for a ticket for a five-year-old. It's just not going to happen. And, um, you know, so there are a lot of young families there. There were a lot of multi-generational families there uh, taken in the game. So, you know, it's kind of a festive atmosphere and it's and, you know, you see these wide eyed kids and a lot of people taking pictures. And and so I, you know, anybody that wants, I, I guess my opinion is anybody that wants to draw conclusions about the state of Nebraska football uh, during this two to three hours. Um, you need to, you need to figure out another way to gather information. What did we see? We saw, you know, the starting offense as it is at this point in time out on the field for basically three series of play. 
you know, and Scott Frost, I think he was even quoted uh, talking about how boring and how vanilla the offense was. And it really was. Uh, you know, they ran the ball quite a bit, but it was for the most part two-hand touch in the first half. Um, there were some pass plays that really weren't allowed to develop that much because, again, if a, if a rusher got in and slapped his hand on the quarterback, they, they called him down. And, you know, so you, you, you couldn't glean anything sure. about the, the, the new Whipple offense or um, really gain an appreciation of, you know, some of the new faces that have come in. I guess, you know, in terms of kind of the top end or the top line units, um, it looks like uh, the transfer that Nebraska got in uh, from, uh, oh, I think down in New Mexico, uh, Grant is number 23. God, I'm horrible with names and I should do better with this. Anthony Grant, maybe. Um, he, I, I think yes, he's going to yes. be solid. Um, he's, He's, you know, I, I read in a paper, you know, that somebody compared him to Diedrich Mills. I don't, I don't know if he reminded me of Diedrich Mills, but he's, he's got some good lateral moves and I think he's pretty tough. Uh, he's not as big as what I thought he was going to be. I guess when I'd read some of the hype about him, I figured he was going to be a bigger back. He's not. Um, but I think he's probably one of these guys that's pretty durable, uh, bigger than Ramir Johnson, uh, not as big as Jacques Yant. And, you know, that's a pretty big, those are two you know, polar opposites, but I think he's got some potential. Uh, there's some speed at the wideouts. Trey Palmer can flat fly. I mean, that guy is fast and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting when they figure out, you know, what kind of sets they're going to run and what kind of personnel they're going to have on the field at the same time. Oliver Martin, you know, I, I've been impressed with him, uh, since he came to Nebraska, um, he got open and made some catches and, and I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, and we did see, um, and again, I'm not going to be able to tell you his name and I apologize for that, but, um, the wide receiver that has, that came through the portal from, again, I think New Mexico, uh, sir, uh, it's not, I'm thinking baseball. Um, uh, anyway, um, he's, he's going to be a good player too. He's got nice sticky hands. Um, so, you know, it, it was, you know, the second half, they did tackle him to the ground. Um, we did see a bit of Chubba Purdy in the first half. Um, you know, he was very limited. I think he's, he's had some injuries, only practiced for three days. Uh, I think Chubb is a little quicker than uh, what, what maybe we've been led to believe. And uh, I think Logan Smothers, he wasn't given much of an opportunity uh, to, to show what he's got. But again, the offense was so limited that um, it, it's really hard to draw any, draw any conclusions. How much of that is – how much that vanilla kind of uh, approach to the spring game is based on the fact that it's nationally televised? That – I mean, if – now, granted – someone can theoretically drive over from Iowa city or drive down from Minneapolis or, you know, from Madison or Columbus, but that requires effort and cash where somebody just hit and record on their DVR and being able to find their remote can watch it. You no. Know, and, you know, gleam a few uh, things. If it wasn't 
televised? Do you think that that looks any different? And this is going to sound um, uh, uh, like very uh, blasphemous, but is the spring game necessary? Well, and, and, and that's that's saying I'm not like dogging on I I enjoy watching spring for all the reasons that you mentioned at the at the top of you know it if you know like right now I've got a family of five and I don't know if the good Lord's gonna you know cut me off there if he's gonna bless me more taking a family of five to Memorial Stadium in September October looks a lot different and feels a lot different to the old pocketbook than taking a family of five to the spring game. Uh, for example, uh, our, our beloved fallen comrade, Brian Toll, um, I know that his wife uh, took their daughter to her first game at Memorial Stadium, and it was a spring game, and she had a blast. I, it, was, it was so fun watching the pictures and, you know, it, hoping that that continues to uh, fuel that fire that, you know, she probably picked up a little bit genetically from, from her dad and, and her mom, who's also, uh, you know, a Nebraska native. So uh, things like that, you know, it's, it's getting the, getting the kids excited and, and that, that's how Nebraska fandom has not waned, you know, because events like this, like the fan day are, multi as you said Todd the multi-generational but so I don't want the spring game to go away but going kind of going back to my question is a is it necessary and two does the concept of it look any different if it's not televised and if it's all right closed house you know this is just for uh just for the folks in the stadium uh you, you know what I mean well, I, here's what I, I would say in, in this day and age, um, whether you televise it or not, a lot of that, a lot of what happens on the field is going to be on video somewhere, um, you know, uh, and with the stakes as high as they are in college football and, you know, uh, you know, what, what, and with what some people would say, uh, you know, some pundits out there would say is such a fine line between winning and losing. Um, if this, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess that there were personnel from Northwestern University there, and I'm going to guess that they were um, credentialed or in whatever way, shape or form. In fact, I I don't think that they didn't buy a ticket to sneak in the stadium and wear Husker red to be incognito. (laughs) Um, You know, my guess is, is that they were very much, um, you know, uh, very, my guess is they were present and they were there to scout. And likewise, I would suspect that whatever Northwestern does for a spring event, if it's open to the public, um, my guess is, is that there will be some representation from Nebraska there as well. Um, So I guess, you know, whether it's televised or not, doesn't really change anything. Yeah. I don't think it really changes what you do. And, you know, I think that, you know, coaches at that level, <laughs> they're also paranoid as hell. And, you know, they don't want Tom Chattel or, or uh, you know, uh, Sipple or, or McGowan or any of those guys writing <laughs> things in their columns, you know, that might allude to some of the things. You know, they don't want them giving away anything. So, sure. um, 
That'd be my guess. Uh, you know, is it necessary? Um, you know, I, I, I think it is um, simply because that's how you develop and, and expand the fan base. Because again, um, well, we, I think a lot of us take, take it for granted about how popular Nebraska football is because in our generation, you know, they were on top of the world. They, you know, they didn't, they were winning and, and they didn't have to, they didn't have to go, you know, to, you know, put forth any extra effort to, you know, develop a fan base. I mean, you know, people love winners. They love to follow winners and they'll jump on that bandwagon all the time. Um, but, you know, if you're going to sustain it, you know, the future generation, the future, the future season ticket holders, you know, they were in attendance on Saturday. Right. That's, that's who was there. And, you know, I, I just, Living in Iowa, you know, I'm, I know that at one point in time, the, the Iowa Hawkeyes, they played their quote unquote spring game at Valley Stadium in Des Moines. You know, they took it on the road, mm-hmm. uh, but they also don't have, you know, 50, 52, 54,000 people show up for a spring game. Um, I remember way, way, way back. I mean, I'm really dating myself here, but when Jim Walden was the coach at, at uh, Iowa State and, you know, was running the triple option back at, well, Nebraska fans, when, when I say Marv Seiler, they'll know what era I'm talking about. Marvelous Marv. Um, but, you know, Walden hated spring. He hated spring practice. He hated spring football. And that's probably why Iowa State didn't win very many damn games. They didn't take advantage of the opportunity, you know, to develop. And um, so who's to say, but uh, I, you know, football's too big to take on the road. I think it's really cool what volleyball does. You know, they're going to play a game out in Grand Island, I think, this time, or maybe they're going further west. I know they've played out in Lexington. I know that they've played maybe out in Kearney and other places. They kind of play a spring event out there, um, you know, to showcase the program in the western part of the state. Football, you can't do that, but it'd it'd be cool if they could, you know. So I mean, you know, even if you went, no, the problem is, to, to your point, Nebraska draws too big of a crowd to take it on the road. There are no other facilities in the state. Right. Uh, and so, which brings up two points. 54,000 was the rough estimate attendance for this year's spring game. That's certainly down. Um, I know from from what I do, you know, as a job and things like that, there's a lot going on right now as we're kind of exiting out of the pandemic, at least, you know, uh, theoretically, (laughs) Um, that there are a lot of organizations, a lot of groups, a lot of churches, things like that, that are are having events now that they can have events again. So uh, people probably feel obligated to some of those things. Do you see the 54,000 in attendance, which I believe is down from other years. I mean, yeah. they've had over 70,000 in, in for, uh, you know, to go back to Scott Frost's first spring game. There were probably touching capacity. Um, yeah. Do you see that as an indictment on the Frost era? Well, and before you answer that question, you mentioned uh, Jim Walden, and I was trying to Google – some of the years he was like, I don't want to date myself. Jim Walden reference, Iowa State. Um, but I did a quick search for Jim Walden. One of the first pictures that popped up 
was Jim Walden shaking hands with Tom Osborne. So I just wanted to share that part. Now back to my question. Well, they were on the same <laughs> coaching staff together. Not this one. This one's Iowa State and Nebraska. Well, th- they were because Jim Walden was an assistant at Nebraska at one time. Okay. Under I'm the just saying. The picture yeah. that I have. <laughs> well, no, here's – you know, John and I talked a little bit about this. And, you know, is it an indictment? I don't think so. I mean, I think – I guess I prefer to look at it the other way. You know, um, when, when Scott Frost, you know, came in, you know, that level of excitement, that level of anticipation, you know, all the optimism, you know, every red wearing Nebraska fan, you know, at the first opportunity, they were so damn much excitement. They wanted to, I mean, the, the spring game, if, if Scott Frost had said, we're going to play 10 minutes with a running clock, that's going to be the spring game this year. <laughs> it still would have sold out. Yeah. They still would have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, people wanted to, to, latch on to that so bad and you know understand it's been four years of disappointment we all recognize that so i guess i'd kind of like to think in fact uh, you know in terms of the fact that there's still 54,000 people that are willing to come and watch this football team play mm-hmm. in light of the fact that they haven't had a winning season for five or six years you know i mean no one else does that. I mean, that speaks more to the commitment of the Nebraska football fan um, than it does anything else, in my opinion. Two two things about that I wanted to mention. When Scott Frost was first announced right here on the Five Heart Podcast, it was Hoss Reuter and I at the time, and we were, we were making plans for, I believe, New Orleans, you know, 2022, <laughs> or like four years from now, he's going to be – Gonna have us to the national championship game, and I'll see you there, man. Um, clearly, it has not gone that way. Um, but I remember, and and a lot of, I, I can't even say younger people, um, but you know, a lot of people who remember the NCAA football games uh, for uh, like Xbox and PlayStation things like that. When you were in your dynasty mode you had to recruit high school players to your school. And one of the, the, I guess the um, pedestals that you could stand on about your school was uh, your fan base and fan loyalty and things like that. And there's no surprise that, and and I know you and John talked about that video uh, last week, talking about, you know, if you're making your ultimate, uh, you know, college football program or something. What do you want? You want Nebraska fan base because to a fault, we're a pretty loyal bunch. We all, I think we all, we all want the same destination. We have different uh, routes on the map to take to the destination. I think Uh, sometimes we can be divisive as hell and there's more infighting than I would like to see. But at the end of the day, uh, when it's a college football Saturday, we're, we're, we're showing up and it doesn't matter if it's in October, November, or April, uh, 54,000 for a team that hasn't had a winning record and have, hasn't been to a bowl game since the year my son was born. Uh, you know, 2015 was the last time we were to a bowl game and you know, that that's a long time ago. <laughs> well, you know, we even remarked, we went, um, obviously, you know, we went to the baseball game. I can't remember what time the game got over, but, you know, that was ended up being a a frustrating uh, endeavor as well. But, 
you know, we went up into the Haymarket um, for, you know, to grab a meal. And I was really shocked. Again, you know, I hadn't been to spring games before. But um, that you could remember. (laughs) But I was absolutely shocked how many people stuck around town, you know, as if it were, you know, a regular, you know, Saturday in the fall uh, because, you know, the place was packed. Um, Of course, it was also nice and the college kids were out, too. So um, but yeah, it was. It was, it, it was enjoyable. You know, it's not something that, um, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe when I have a grandchild, maybe, maybe I will have to give my grandchild their first Nebraska football experience at, at uh, a spring game or something like that. Little Greggy. <laughs> well, we, we do know it is a girl, so I don't think no. she'll be Greggy, but um I mean, growing up, I heard a lot of variations, so I'm just <laughs> a creative a creative duo could make it happen. I'm just <laughs> there. You go, there you go. Uh, to to put our button uh, or close the book. So what? How do we say on the red white game? Uh, the white defeats the reds, forty three to thirty nine. I think this is just me talking. You know, uh, views and opinions expressed are solely those of Greg Mahochko. Do not necessarily represent uh, the Five Heart Podcast, Coordination.com, Vox Media, or any of its subsidiaries. I would love for the coaches to just separate and draft two teams and have it be a scrimmage. You can modify the contact if you want, certainly – the quarterbacks don't need to be taking hits in, in the spring, but I just want—I don't, I don't want to. Let's let's all stand here on the field. I want it to look more like football, and I want you still give everybody the opportunities. I'm not saying you know put put one up to push another one down, um, but I w- I would like to see that type of format. And unfortunately, that's not the kind of you know spring game we get. But nobody's asking my opinion. <laughs> Scott, if you're listening, I'll get there you in digits, baby. Uh, so let's talk about baseball because they had a <laughs> hell of a weekend. Wow. Well, we, uh, you know, I don't know that the mayor of Lincoln or the president of the university has uh, offered an official proclamation, but John Johnston will not be allowed in the city of Lincoln, anywhere in the future, when Rutgers baseball comes to town. I mean, that I, they may expand that ban a little bit further, uh, but I can say for absolute certainty that, uh, you know, yeah, there were, there were some common themes between this year and a year ago, but John Johnston was in town and they got swept <laughs> by Rutgers last year and they got swept by Rutgers in an ugly, ugly, ugly fashion this year. So I can, can I ask a question, a ridiculous question? <laughs> we are supposed to care about these student athletes, right? And we want to look out for their best interests. Softball has a run rule. Why are they still trotting them out there in the seventh inning when it's 19 to one? Well, 
when the seventh inning started, it was three to one. <laughs> That's a fair point. Great comeback. <laughs> it was when the seventh inning started. Oh, that and, makes uh, it so much worse. <laughs> and, and, and Martin went out to the mound. I was still optimistic that they might be able to pull this game out. But then again, I had to look at it through clear lenses instead of my rose-colored ones and realize that up to that point, Nebraska only had two hits. You're not going to win many games with two hits. And I don't care if the game, I don't care if the score is three to one or 19 to one. Um, it, the offense has been the problem or at least been a problem. I mean, they've had plenty of problems yeah. when you get housed at your house. Like, well, wow. Here's, you know, what was so frustrating about the whole thing to me, and, and you know, I, th- I don't think I'm the only one of this opinion, is that one week earlier, they had put things together out at Ohio State. And they basically fired on all cylinders. You know, it's easy to argue that Ohio State gave them the game on Friday night because I think the Buckeyes had, you know, like five or six errors, some god-awful number. Um, but, you know, Nebraska swept the series on the road. But then, you know, they didn't play well against UNO, uh, particularly the fact that they left bases loaded in the ninth inning with a chance to win and they couldn't score a flip and run. And, you know, same thing happens against Rutgers, you know, on on Friday and Saturday. On Friday and Saturday, they had runners on base and their last at bat down by one run and one or two runs. And they could not get the hit, you know, to either send the game into extra innings or, um, you know, or tie it up. The the hitting has been so inconsistent. And from my perspective, if you would have told me that the hitting would have been this bad this year, I would have said, there's no way. They're, they got to be better than that. But, you know, Greg, the only hitters that they're putting out there that have an average above, you know, uh, at 300 or better are those that don't haven't had very many at-bats. And, you know, it, it's just it's just horrible. Throw in the fact that the pitching has been inconsistent. They've made more errors this year on defense. They've had to have made more errors already at this point in the season. They're about halfway through um, more errors now than they made the entire year last year. So it's they're really not playing well in any aspect of the game. And, and they're not good enough in any one of those aspects to, to cover up for those weaknesses. Definitely not good enough to overcome the errors. And, and the mistakes, the, the, the mental errors, the physical errors. Yeah. Last year we had a, a, a bonus, right? We had that COVID year. You know, we had the super seniors and things like that. And by and large, we don't really have that anymore. Um, I'm not using that as an excuse, but what – I'm trying to think how I want to word this uh, question – Why why was there such a steep drop off? Is it is is it do we need to just admit to ourselves that you know last year was a great year with a lot of great guys who were playing a year extra and this is honestly more of a rebuilding year. We have talent. We just have to get them mature enough and ready to play NCAA baseball. 
I agree 100%. Okay. And, you know, John, John has mentioned, you know, and I think John has something to this too, that, you know, the whole fact that the big 10 didn't play non-conference games, you know, stymied some player development. Well, you know, that's affect Rutgers apparently. Jeez. Yeah. Th- that's across the board, but the teams, in my opinion, at least the ones I've seen and, and, you know, I have not dug in. I usually don't until you know, another two or three weeks, where I really start digging in and paying attention to the rest of the conference. Um, you know, the, the two teams that, I, that are playing really well, in my opinion at this point, are Rutgers and Michigan, and that is in large part because they're veteran teams. Mm-hmm. They, you know, um, Rutgers has a bunch of upperclassmen playing that have been under the gun. They've brought in some, some transfers through the portal that are older players. You put Nebraska out there and, you know, you know, regardless of what anybody can, can say, counting on Kyle Perry and Jake Buns to be in the starting rotation, you know, th- that was very, very important. And those are two of the more veteran pitchers. Um, you know, right now they're down to, you know, um, Shea Shanneman, who I think he would have been one of the weekend starters, but they, you know, they've had so many struggles, you know, finding the right kind of pitching on the weekends. Um, but more importantly, there have been games, Greg, where they have had four, even five freshmen in the lineup. And baseball is no different than any other sport, unless we're talking about Michigan Fab Five back in, <laughs> the, what you know, whenever. Right. Um you're not going to, it's going to be hard to compete when, when you're playing a lot of freshmen. Um, when you've got 19 year olds going up against 22 year olds. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, oh, for and, sure. And you know, it's, it's um, <laughs> some of the, and, and the other thing is, is that you're looking for leadership and I understand, you know, you got Griffin Everett behind the plate, you know, he's an upperclassman and he's one of the captains, but this is only his second year in the program. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, you know, Bryce Matthews, he's a sophomore. Max Anderson, he's a sophomore. Both of them had really good freshman year years, but, you know, they're, they're proven that there might be something to that adage about the, the sophomore slump. They've really struggled this year. Um, Do you think that the kind of the teams you mentioned, the, the, the veteran led teams like the Michigans and the Rutgers are going to be in a spot like Nebraska, where Nebraska is now a year from now, you know, when, when all their, all their veterans move on that they'll be in maybe, I mean, this is a severe drop off from what we anticipated uh, coming into the season. Maybe we didn't maybe, maybe again, those rose colored glasses that uh, we like, or excuse me, I'm sorry, those scarlet colored glasses. Um, but I I feel like maybe if it's not this year, it if it it might not be next year, but two years from now, you know, it the world's your oyster, you know, for, for Nebraska baseball when when the 18 year olds are 20 year olds and they have really two solid years of college baseball experience because they've been relied on so heavily here as freshmen. I have no doubt. I think that there's better years in front of them. I, you know, um, 
I've, I always marvel at people that, um, you know, at the college level that can spot talent that, that, you know, and, you know, I've sat by professional baseball scouts, you know, occasionally, you know, two or three times in my life. And, you know, I've tried to pick their brains without being overbearing, you know, and just kind of, you know, what is it that you're looking for and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, some people just have uh, a much better, much better insight, you know, than others. But that all being said, you know, there are some kids on this team that I think are going to be very, very good baseball players. Core mm-hmm. Jackson, the kid from Canada. Um, I think he's, I think he's got a great future in front of him. There's this Swanson kid that, you know, I don't think he's played an inning out in the field, but he's pinch hit, you know, a number of times he's from Johnston, Iowa. My goodness gracious, that kid can hit the baseball. I mean, he's, you know, they, they talk about how some of the players have had difficulty barreling up. Um, not him. Uh, <laughs> every time he's had an opportunity, you know, he's put the bat on the ball. And I think he's got some good days in front of him. Garrett Anglum, the, you know, has been starting. He's a, well, he's a second year freshman. I guess he's not a new freshman. He registered last year, uh, but he's playing out in right field. And, I, I think that he is, is going to be a really good player. So there, you know, those are just a couple, you know, three of the new faces. I love, you know, the Chandler Benson, the left-handed pitcher from Texas. I, 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 and Emmett Olson, who is a sophomore, another left-hander. I think the potential's there to have some really good players moving forward in the future. But I think what's going to have to happen, and it's a reality for all sports uh, right now in division one um, is they're going to have to pull some people out of the portal to that, that can start on the mound on weekends. Um, Media contributors. Yes, they're going to have to. And, you know, they got uh, McCarville from Grand Canyon university. You know, he's the Sunday starter, but you know, he's struggled at times um, because I don't know. I mean, I think they've got a lot of really good young arms, but um, who knows if any of those can turn into starting starting pitchers for next year. Um, you know, I think one of the most physically gifted players I've seen is this Drew Christo from Elkhorn, and he just got shelled. He got two outs and he got shelled in the ninth inning. And I mean, he got he got beat up. Um, against, uh, I think he started against uh, Omaha. And I feel for the kid because, you know, I mean, he wouldn't be the high-level recruit that he was, and he wouldn't have been uh, attractive to major league teams, you know, if he didn't have a tremendous amount of potential. But I got to believe mentally that kid right now, um, you know, he's he's taken a bigger beating, I think, mentally than he has physically. Uh, and so they got to figure out a way to support that kid because you look at him, he's an imposing figure out on the mound. And I, I think he's, he's got good days in front of him, but you got to feel for him right now. Well, what is up next for uh, the old ball team? They're playing four games against uh, BYU uh, this week. Um, oh, that's right. BYU with the, kind of sudden resignation of their coach sudden resignation of their coach. Yeah. Um, 
pitching, it's going to come down to pitching. And, and, you know, I heard coach bolt on, um, Oh, the, the nightly news show or, you know, sports nightly, um, you know, he's, he's concerned about his pitching depth because, you know, they, well, you know what, the fact that uh, the game against Creighton got uh, rained out in essence, they got three innings and that, uh, that may have helped Nebraska for the upcoming four games against BYU. Um, That's coming up. You know, you you mentioned earlier, you, you mentioned softball. I went and, uh, I went and watched uh, Nebraska play Iowa um, and, uh, you know, in these gale force winds, uh, Nebraska's softball team is on top of the Big Ten Conference by a half a game. They're, uh, they're playing excellent. They're 30 and nine undefeated yeah. in the conference. Uh, they've I, I almost hate to say it because I feel like I'm going to jinx, it, but they're winners of their last 15. Yeah. Think about that. It, they play, they play three games at home against Minnesota. Minnesota's kind of, you know, in the conference standings, they're about in the middle. But Minnesota, Minnesota has had very good softball the last five or six years. Now they've graduated their All-American pitcher um, and, um, you know, graduated some other really good players. But, you know, they've played in regionals in recent years. So, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, if <laughs> wish that the weather – was going to be a little bit warmer this weekend, but uh, folks, there's going to be a lot of good ball down there in Haymarket you know, at, at Bowling Stadium and as well as the Haymarket Park. Um, get out and support those teams. But I, the women's softball team, um, they, they took two games from Michigan, mm-hmm. opening the Big Ten Conference on Michigan's home field. Michigan at the time was ranked 19th. Now, Correct. the softball team... Yeah, the, the softball team is not currently ranked. Um, there are two teams ranked in the more popular poll. Northwestern is ranked 10th. They're a half a game behind, um, in essence, well, now kind of a half a game behind Nebraska. And uh, Michigan is still ranked 22nd, even though they're four and five in the conference. Um, so I think what hurt the ladies uh, was that game against Stanford being canceled. Uh, yeah. back in, in the end of March because it, like it's a, it's a one game non-conference uh, you know matchup. It was going to be in Lincoln. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it was due to inclement weather. Uh, but Stanford ranked, was ranked number 25 at the time. So it gives voters an opportunity to see what Nebraska can do outside of the conference uh, against quality competition. But you're right, three at home against Minnesota, of course, uh, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then next week, it's on the road at Wisconsin, and they're on the road at Ohio State, finishing up the regular season at the beginning of first full weekend of uh, May, and that will be at home against Indiana. So uh, surprisingly, the the season's winding down uh, yeah. for them. Uh, and you look at their – I'm, I'm just kind of looking at their schedule and the, the Big Ten teams they are not playing. You know, there's no Illinois on there. Uh, there's no third in the conference right now. There's no Northwestern, like you mentioned, uh, being number two. So Nebraska has to keep on a roll. Certainly, uh, you know, we're a a month away, a month away from the Big Ten uh, softball tournament. And but they need to stay on a roll. They need to keep building momentum because they haven't seen the the teams that are nipping right at their heels. Right. Uh, So you hope that they're not. Uh, buoying their resume with uh, subpar 
competition. You know what I mean? Well, I looked at one of those forecasts, you know, bracketology and um, for the softball tournament today. And right now they've got five um, big 10 teams making the field. Uh, Nebraska being one of them. Uh, they have Northwestern hosting a regional, uh, but the other four on the road. And uh, it'll be interesting. You know, as I, I wrote an article, I, I don't know when it's going to appear on coordination, hopefully, you know, tomorrow or by the end of the week about softball. And um, in my opinion, they got to keep winning the series. If, mm-hmm. if they go two and one, you know, every weekend going forward, home and away, uh, if they if they at least do that, I think that's going to position themselves very well, you know, to to get a regional bid and and to be up there, you know, in the conference rankings. Now, um, you, you know, in, in softball, uh, you know, pitching is so incredibly important. Um, Nebraska's pitching isn't as strong as other teams in the conference. But thus far, they've been able to make up for it with just incredible offense. They've been um, killing it. Yeah, they really have. They really have. So you uh, ladies of the Nebraska softball team, we're proud of you. <laughs> so uh, other than that, Todrick, um, you know, football, baseball, softball, uh, we've talked, touched a little bit about, you know, volleyball and how they – take some time and, and go around the state. Um, but I don't know if we have any more really to, to get into this week. Well, uh, we've talked about all I've paid any attention to. <laughs> and that's good because that means that one of us paid attention to something and, uh, you know, we got some thoughts <laughs> out. So, uh, you know, you need, you need another gin and tonic. Uh, you deserve it for all the hard work and effort that you've put into uh, this week's episode. Um, I didn't do much. And, Everybody watching on YouTube or everybody listening to this is saying thank you that I didn't contribute much. I didn't have a whole lot to, to say this week. But uh, uh, so hopefully, folks, we, we, we hope that you enjoyed this show. Uh, and we miss John, too. But even our founder and fearless leader needs a little time off. And he said, uh, to, to quote my mom when I was eight years old, she's like, I'm too poop to poop. Uh, and that's, that's where old, uh, Papa John is. So, uh, <laughs> uh, we miss him, but we know he'll be back. Uh, uh, and, and if you missed him as well, if you haven't checked out the old YouTube page, uh, go, go on to YouTube. You can get some of his, uh, thoughts from Lincoln from this past weekend, uh, in the spring game. So, uh, one of his reaction videos. So for, uh, Todd Wolverton, I'm Greg Mahochko, part of coordination, the five heart podcast where we remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. Todd. Go big red.